says Deke on it, so I guess that's me. <laughs> All right, excellent. Well, before I get started, I just want to say that I am truly grateful to God that we have Father Brett as a senior pastor. It's a pleasure to serve under his leadership. Let's pray. Father God, we're going to look to your word tonight because your word gives us a revelation of who you are. And your word is healing power. And I believe, God, that as we look at the word tonight, people are going to get healed right in their seat. I believe that, God. And that'll just be the beginning of the things that you will continue to do throughout the course of this service. So God, I thank you in advance for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, it's so good to worship the Lord in song, isn't it? I love to sing to God. Nobody likes to stand next to me while I'm singing to God. I understand that. I'm one of those people that makes a joyful noise, according to the psalm. I got that scripture down pat. But there's power in praise. And there's a vulnerability when we let it all out before the Lord. And he ministers to us. And what are we doing? We're glorifying him. We're worshiping him. We're exalting him. And yet what God gives us in return is more than we could ever ask for or imagine. We can never outgive the giver. Amen? Amen. We have such a good God. One of the songs that we were singing says, all my life you have been faithful. Wow, that really struck me tonight. All my life you have been faithful. And I wasn't a Christian my entire life. And there were times growing up when I didn't know where God was. And yet, now looking back, I'm able to see that all my life, God has been faithful to me. God has been ever present in times of trouble. When I was six years old and I had my first drink, God was present. He was there. And he was faithful. When I got suspended at eight years old, God was there and he was faithful. When I was thrown out of school at 12 years old, God was there and he was faithful. When I was thrown out of my house at 14 years old, God was there, and he was faithful. When at 15 years old, I was getting high with my father and having fistfights with my dad, God was there, and he was faithful. He preserved me throughout the course of my entire life. And he prepared me through adversity for fruit that would endure forever. What a good and mighty God we serve. In Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 3, it says this. And it's the Lord speaking and he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you 
with my kindness. He's drawn us by his loving kindness. Why? Because of his everlasting love for us. And in order to understand Christianity, we have to understand the heart of God. We have to understand the nature of God. The Bible says that God is love. And those who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Amen? Our God is love. Love is the essence and the core of who God is. And so when we're speaking of God, we are primarily speaking about love, eternally personified in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses had just led the people out of Egypt. And he saw all of these remarkable signs and wonders and judgments against the Egyptians and all of this favor that God bestowed upon the people of Israel. And it was incredible, and it's such a profound and significant story. And of course, the exodus in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of the exodus that takes place in the New Testament, where God would deliver us not from Egypt, but from sin. And he would do so through a mediator of the covenant, not Moses, but Jesus. And he would lead us through waters, not the Red Sea, but baptism. And then we would be found in a wilderness experience, just like the Israelites. And he would feed us with strange food, just like he did with them in the wilderness. What is the strange food that we receive, the manna that comes down from heaven? It's right there at the Lord's table. And so being in the wilderness, we do what? We look forward to the promised land. And why did God promise us an inheritance? Because he loves us. Because God is love. So in Exodus chapter 33, he's speaking with Moses. And Moses says this to him in verse 13. Now therefore I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Let me know your ways, so that I may know you. You see, God has been faithful to me my entire life, and the faithfulness of God and the provision of God and the protection of God teach me something about the nature of God. Are you with me? So we begin to know the heart of this one who redeems us by reflecting upon his goodness to us, the provision that he makes, his deliverance for us and for our salvation. Verse 14, and he said, my presence shall go with you. You will never be without the presence of God. He will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. And he says, and I will give you You see, because God is with me, I can rest. I don't have to be panic-stricken and anxiety-ridden. I can let go knowing that God, who is faithful my entire life, always there for me, is going to provide me with the things that I need for my sustenance. Because that's the kind of God I serve. In verse 17, he says to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, 
and I have known you by name. God, the creator of the universe, the uncreated, transcendent, all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful creator of the universe knows you by name. And just like he listened to Moses, he hears our heart desires, doesn't he? That's the God that we serve. And so we should come expecting. Why? Because all our lives he has been faithful. And he will continue to reveal his heart to us, his heart of love in the things that he does for us. In Titus chapter 3, very, very, very important passage. And it is what I would consider the gospel in a nutshell. And in Titus chapter 3, it says this in verse 4. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, God is going to make his love visible. How did he make his love visible? He made his love visible in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And it says in verse 5, he saved us. The Greek word there is sozo. He saved us. He healed us. He delivered us. He restored us. He made us whole. We've been redeemed. We've been re reunited. Our sins have been forgiven. We are released from the chains that bind us. And we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. It says that he saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So if you're a Christian, the Bible says that you are a new creation, that the old life has passed away. Behold, a new life has begun. And that new life has begun by the power of the Holy Spirit, that the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit lives inside of you because God has poured out that Holy Spirit. How? Richly upon your life. Richly. And if you are a possessor of the Holy Spirit, and if the Holy Spirit is a possessor of you, then no weapon formed against you will prosper. Amen? Amen. So important. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Oh, how great is the love that God lavished upon us Amen. that we should be called children of God. And this is what we are, it says. It doesn't say this is what we will be. It says this is what we are. We are children of God. And because we are children of God, we have an inheritance. In Romans chapter 8, it says this. It says, you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Right? Oh, my goodness. If I do something wrong, God is going to be against me. No. You haven't received that spirit. 
You've received the spirit of adoption as sons by which you can cry out, Abba, Father. That you can address God in the most intimate and personal way that God has become your father through your relationship with Jesus Christ. It says that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's good news. You have an inheritance, Peter says, that will never spoil nor will it fade away. That it is being kept for you. That God is guarding all the beautiful things that he's going to give you and nothing is going to jeopardize your inheritance in Christ Jesus. Do you deserve it? No. God forbid we get what we deserve. Amen? Amen. When it comes to God, I'm not looking for justice. <laughs> I'd be in big trouble. Really, really, really big trouble. So why is he pouring out his spirit upon us? Why is he giving us an inheritance? Why is he not treating us as our sins deserve? Because he loves us. And he draws us. By his love and kindness. And when we know the love of God, what happens? That perfect love begins to cast out fear. Are you with me? Yes. Because I have four children. They're 12, 10, 7, and almost 6. It's a serious corporation I have at home. I tell people that there is a zoo in Floral Park. It's on Daisy Avenue. That's where I live. And there are some times when I come home and I can hear my kids crying, upset about something, fearful about something. And then I walk through the threshold of the door and they hear my steps. And they realize that their father is present. And all of a sudden, that sadness, that frustration, that fear, it begins to go away. Because they know the father's love. Are you with me? Yeah. Do you know the father's love? How does that change your mentality? How does that change your approach to everyday life? What does that do when you are caught in the midst of a chaotic whirlwind in your life? How does your knowledge of the love of God inform your judgment about how to go forward? What's the impact? God wants you to be still and know that he is God, amen? And that he has a plan for you. You know, this. This beautiful verse in Isaiah 43, in verse 2, it says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Why? Because he's with us. Because he's with us. In Matthew chapter 9, by the way, I like to use a lot of verses. <laughs> Some people will be like, 
Oh, you know, you use too many verses. <laughs> Let me tell you something. In the book of Acts, Paul was preaching a sermon that started in the middle of the day and went to midnight. And somebody who was listening by the window fell asleep and fell right out the window dead. <laughs> so first things first, you should be grateful that we're on the first floor. All right, that's number one. And number two, there's no such thing as too many verses. We can't get enough of the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit. Can't get enough. There's life in these pages. And every time I open them, I have an encounter with the living God. So Matthew in chapter 9, verse 36, seeing the people, this is Jesus, Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like a sheep without a shepherd. So Jesus is walking along and he sees the people and he has compassion upon them. The word compassion there in the Greek New Testament is splanknitzomai. It is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew rachamim. And it speaks about the guts, the bowels, the core of the inner being. And there's this, this gut-wrenching pain that Jesus is experiencing as he's looking out on the multitudes. That's the picture here. The Latin, the word compassion comes from the Latin, right? Calm, which means with, and passion, which means suffering. With suffering. When you have compassion, you're suffering because you're watching somebody else suffer. Are you with me? You're suffering because you're watching somebody else suffer. I have compassion every time I read the news. And I listen to somebody who was mauled by an intruder. Or raped or devastated by some wicked act. And my heart begins to hurt, even though I don't even know these people. That's compassion. Now, when you have a compassion for somebody that is so profound and so significant, and the pain of watching them suffer is so great, the only way you're going to be able to alleviate your own pain is if you step into their predicament and help them out. Are you with me? That's the nature of the compassion of Jesus. Amen? So you could be distressed. You could be dispirited. You could be helpless and harassed like a sheep that doesn't have a shepherd. And Jesus Christ has compassion for you. And it hurts more for Jesus to see you hurting than it does for you to hurt. Are you with me? And so what does Jesus want to do? He wants to step into that suffering on your behalf and then begin to shoulder it as you walk with him. And that's why we're here tonight. We're here because we have a loving God who expresses kindness in salvation through compassion, which has as its goal 
the elimination of the things that we suffer through. God wants to take them away. God wants to take away our suffering. He wants to take away the obstacles and the encumbrance to the abundant life. That's what he wants to do. Now, how many people know that suffering is also necessary? We know that, right? Hasn't God shaped your life through adversity? Right? God has given me much treasure through the things that I've suffered. And so God allows us to suffer for our own good. But the good that we discover in our suffering is that we need him. And so it directs us to the relationship for which we've been made. But all our lives, he's been faithful. He's been faithful. And so he invites us in whatever we're suffering to come. To come and to receive rest. To receive deliverance. To receive healing. To receive restoration. To receive freedom and release from captivity. He invites us. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? No. By no means. Sometimes we forget that the God who created the universe calls us his friends. I got lots of friends in this church. You know that? Lots of, by God's grace, lots of people like me. I'm very blessed. I'm very thankful for that. There was a time when nobody wanted to come near me. Is that Eddie coming through? Hide your wallet. So I am very blessed for the relationships that I get to enjoy because God has transformed my life through Jesus Christ. My brother here, Ralph. I could call Ralph anytime, any day, with any need, and that brother, my best friend, will be there for me no matter what. I know that. 100%. So good to have friends like that. But Jesus is a friend that will stick closer than a brother. And if we're talking about the God through whom the world was made, just how deep and significant is our problem really? Are you with me? We got to get perspective. We got to get perspective on the love of God. The love of God is the type of love that always wants us to flourish. Are you with me? He always wants our flourishing. He is always moving to ensure that we have an opportunity to flourish. He's doing that every single minute of every single day in every single solitary life. He is available with his love for our flourishing. And once we know that, we need to know this, that God has the power to transform your life in a manner that is consistent with his will for your ultimate blessing. Amen. We have to know that because that's the, that's the heart of God. That's the power of God. And so that becomes our hope. 
Now, the Bible tells us that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the assurance of things hoped for. So I got a hope, right? And the Bible tells me the hope will not disappoint me. It will not. You're not going to leave here disappointed. You're going to have an encounter with God, amen? amen? Because God invited you here. You might have saw it on Facebook. Oh, there's a crave service at the intercessor. <laughs> That's great. And I'm glad you're here. And somebody might have said to you, hey, did you know there's this service? Why don't you come to this service? And we're going to sing some songs, and we're going to pray, and we're going to read some scriptures, and hear a word, and we're going to get some prayer. And you might say, oh, that, that sounds good. Thank you for inviting me. But that person was just the conduit through which God made his invitation. You're sitting here because of God. God invited you here. And God doesn't do anything arbitrarily, does he? Look at the universe. Look at the precision Look at the nature of natural law. Look at the arrangement of the cosmos. Does he do anything without reason or purpose? So if you're here, it's because God invited you, and God has you here for a purpose. And so I don't care what you expect to get out of tonight. I don't care. God knows why he has you here. Are you with me? This is not about us. This is about him. And you know what happens? You know, sometimes we think, because we're deceived, that we got to do the things that we need to do for our own freedom, stability, security, etc. No! We got to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all other things will be added to us. Amen. So we have to come trusting God. Even sometimes laying aside our agenda. And saying, God, you brought me to this place for a purpose. And I want to know what it is. So speak to me, Lord. Your servant is listening. And do with me as you will. For my life is to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.